Hello and welcome back to another Over the Top Football. I'm joined with John as ever. John, how are you? The beard trimmer is looking divine this morning. Appreciate it. Amazon Prime Day deal, so uh, it's always a nice nice compliment. But uh, all good, all good. Sort of throwing myself into pre-season games now. Looking forward to seeing a bit more of some of the youngsters in the Liverpool squad, but as always, I've been keeping up to date with transfer latest and everything's going a bit nuts from Saudi Arabia. It is. I personally, like, we won't be discussing this today or ever just because the amount of money involved just makes me sick. But the Mbappe stuff, oh my God. Like, it's just, it's so boring with him. I think it's so inevitable where he's going to end up, how much mm. money he's going to make that, does one more year at PSG or one more year in Saudi Arabia really matter? Um, yeah, I, I just don't think you can ever justify giving a footballer 800 mil for a year. Yeah, especially whenever you're willing to then let them go on a free the next summer, which is absolutely mental. So no, I, I would agree. It's, I think in the time we've, since we've spoke about his name, he's probably earned a bit of a grand. Um, so I... It's insane between that and then the Fabinho transfer being in jeopardy because they won't let his pit bulls into the country. It's all turning out a bit crazy. Yeah, I mean, that's fair enough, really. Like, uh, you've already had Henderson go. Don't let Fabinho go to let him rot on the bench, have Bacetic start ahead of him next season um, and Liverpool finish eighth behind seventh place Spurs. I was going to say, you're doing yourself nice there, but uh, yeah, don't talk about Fabinho like that. I, I'm still glad that he's going. I don't really know where we're going to go transfer-wise. It's probably something we'll pick up in another episode between now and the start of the season. But I think, and I believe today's all about England, and just so you can celebrate and gloat for a wee while. It is. It is all about England. We are the best effectively um yeah it's, it's a little later uh, than potentially we planned however um england did win the european under 21 championship uh it's the first time they reached the final since 2009 we'll talk a little bit about that squad and where they went um but today we want to go over kind of the starting 11 a few key squad members and what we think about their futures really um obviously beat spain 1-0 in the final um, had an incredible run, didn't concede a goal during the tournament. Um, Anthony Gordon won player of the tournament. There were several standout performances, uh, both from the early stages of the tournament and all the way through. So incredibly impressive performance. And I'm sure many of our uh, podcast listeners, many um, people up and down the country are kind of wondering what is the ceiling of some of these guys? Where can they go? And what is both their short-term and their longer-term future? Yeah, well said. I think, I mean, the reason we've mentioned 2009 is we've discussed it in regards to this squad is just so much better than that squad, in our opinion, in terms of the ceiling of some of the players in there. You know, the ability to then break into the senior squad potentially as well. So I think this episode will review the under-21 success story the winning squad and we'll see if any of those players 
might be breakout players this season in the Premier League. We might see getting international moves, might see in the next Euros. But I think it's worthwhile sort of talking through that squad and debating as to how high their seeding is and how far we'll see them go in the game. Definitely. So only one place to start, really. And that is with James Trafford, who obviously got his big money move to Burnley. In a previous episode, John, you said that was an absolute disgrace and an overpay by £40 million, despite the transfer actually only coming in at £19 million. So where do you think, uh, how do you think he'll do this season, first season in the Prem? In fact, first season of top flight football anywhere. And yeah, what do you think the future holds for him? Yeah, I mean, first season in the top two flights of football, um, as his previous highest was in League One, and it is a disgrace that they paid nineteen million for him. But I do think he will be a good goalkeeper for Burnley this season. Do I think that he's good enough long term to be England's number one? I think that shirt is owned by Aaron Ramsdale. I think you've got you know Aaron Ramsdale's with twenty three, twenty four. Trafford's going to struggle to get past Ramsdale in terms of quality, in my opinion, but. You never know. Um, will he have a good season at Burnley? I hope so. I think Burnley will be possibly the only promoted team to stay up this season. And it'll be interesting to see how the set of play from Vincent Company is brought into the Premier League. But I do think James Trafford is a good, good goalkeeper. Um, I think he will be a solid Premier League goalkeeper for many years. It's just whether or not we'll see him make many senior appearances for the England squad. Yeah, so t- to be honest, I agree. I think... Obviously, he's not that much younger than uh, some like brilliantly talented England goalkeepers. It's our best England goalkeeper lineup in our lifetime, I think. Um, not necessarily saying that Jordan Pickford as number one is necessarily better than a David Seaman, but as a three with Pope and with Ramsdale, those are both, but all three of them are keepers who should be keeping for teams in the top 10 in the Premier League. I know that's not necessarily the case. Um, but yeah, they are pretty good, pretty solid. And yeah, that's a, that's a lot of competition to get into. I think probably if he has a good year with Burnley this year, we might see him make an England squad with one of those more experienced keepers injured at some point. Um, but yeah, I think it'd be interesting to see how he gets on. I think Burnley will probably stay up despite playing probably quite a risque style of football for a team uh, near the bottom. But in terms of his Euros performance anyway, six games, six clean sheets, uh, but the passing accuracy of 80% really stood out to me as well. So he's clearly comfortable with the ball at his feet and I'm excited to see, yeah, what's next for him, really. Nice, nice. I, I mean, the other two goalkeepers are relatively inexperienced, so I don't know if there's a point in going into that. Um. I mean, another younger English goalkeeper that I think will come through and will keep Trafford on his toes in the next number of years is Anthony Patterson at Sunderland. He wasn't in the squad, so we won't go into too much detail on him. So you do want to start in with the defence and possibly from a perception perspective, the oldest under-21 player to be in this squad. Sure. Um, So yeah, I'm assuming you're talking about Max Ahrens there. Um, It is a son... It is a bizarre kind of thing in the rules really that um he was 23 going into the tournament and that's because he was 21 at the start of the two-year cycle so obviously when he was playing qualifiers he started being 21 um but by the time the tournament came around he was 23 
I'll be honest, I don't particularly like that rule. However, I know there are people out there who kind of say um, that there's lots of good footballers at 23 and stuff and they don't get picked up. Um, I'm sure we'll discuss others who are above the age bracket. Someone like Morgan Gibbs-White, it would be a shame if he got no international football experience before he was ready to make the leap up to the main squad. So he's all right, Max Ahrens. I think he... Back when he was linked to like £30 million moves and moves to Bayern Munich and everything, I thought that was a bit too much, to be honest. Um, I never quite saw that form for him translate in the Prem. That Norwich team were often looked at as a team who had seven or eight sellable assets. But then you look at it now and you look at someone like Cantwell, whose career kind of stalled a bit as well. Um I think it's kind of a more fair, fair reflection of where they were at. I don't think you could finish bottom by an absolute distance and then still be able to sell eight of your team back to the Premier League. I think it's a little bit like Southampton this year. I think they have a couple of highlights, but I'd be very surprised if they were able to kind of turn over their entire 11 back to the Prem. So I think he will have a career as a lower Premier League footballer, Max Ahrens. Um at this point quite possibly might need to leave Norwich to do that but I don't see I think he might be handcuffed by what Norwich will want as a fee for him like at this point I don't think they'd want to take under 15 million and I think he's probably a 10 to 15 million pound player yeah I think I would agree from my perspective I sort of thought Max Aarons was around 25 26 because he's been around for so long and I think he absolutely missed the boat in terms of when he should have left North City a number of years ago with top clubs after him. And I think at that time, if he had had the right management, the right players around him, he would have flourished into a really top-class right-back. But the boat is sealed, and he stayed at North for too long for me now. And I think there's still a proper player there, and there's still a mid to lower Premier League player, as you've mentioned. But it could have been, it could have been much higher in my opinion. And I think, like I said, that you stayed at Norwich for maybe three to four years too long. Do I see him ending up back in the Premier League? Yeah, I think somewhere like West Ham could be an option for him this summer. With the somewhat void at their right-back position, there's no one sort of pulling up roots in terms of making it their position. And he could go into West Ham and do a decent job with them being cash-rich at the minute as well. So he ended up losing his place towards the end of the tournament to James Garner, which I thought was really interesting. And I think that could be a position that we see Garner playing for Everton this year um, and could see him become a regular for a Premier League team this year. So I'll be interested to see what you think on that one. Yeah, I was going to say, let's do uh, the opposing fullback. I'll be honest, going into the tournament, I had no idea he could play there. Um, I saw him as kind of a creative midfielder and a bit of a shame last year that he didn't really play much for Everton because they are crying out for someone with either ball-carrying ability or passing ability in the midfield. To be honest, possibly more passing ability because Onana or Wobi, they can do a bit of carrying. Um, so yeah, I expected him to play a bit more than he did but just because of how dire the starts of the season went, I can understand why Everton didn't mess about with those tactics, so to speak. So yeah, quite potentially he'll get some games at fullback. Um, yeah, Ever Everton needs some creativity. Their B 
big problem wasn't necessarily their defense. Um, it was, yeah, basically creation. So it makes sense to play him right back and be able to use some of his strengths in passing and delivery, um, getting crosses into the box. If you can keep Dominic Calvert-Lewin fit at all, then yeah, you've certainly got a player there. And I think he, he transferred for about 14 million as well, which is probably the most we'll see Everton spend on a player for a little while just because of their financial situation. So it's worth them trying to make this work in any way possible, even if it is a case of it doesn't really and they need to try and sell him on for 10 million. It's worth him getting some game time this year. And yeah, I I think that is probably his level. I think despite the good loan spell at Forest the year previous, don't think we'll see him come back to kind of a Man United level, but lower Premier League, at least for the next couple of years, I think is probably where he's at. Yeah, I wouldn't disagree. I think um, the injury issues that Everton have had at fullback with Patterson and Coleman, of course, I think will open the door. I know they've signed Ashley Young, which you were a big fan of, but I think it will open the door and we'll see Garner maybe start the season as Everton's right back and we'll see if he can kneel down that position to make it his own because I do think that between Idrissa Gay, Decore, Onana, Wobi, it would take a bit to break into that starting eleven for Everton in the centre midfield role. So I think this Euros will provide him with the opportunity to become Premier League regular. And it'd be interesting to see what he does. Do I think he will ever reach the level of United again? I don't think so. Do I think that he could help Everton climb the table? Yeah, potentially. I think he'll be a mid-table Premier League player, and um, which is still a very, very good career. But I don't think he's one of these that we will see on the cusp of world-class status, which I think some of the players in the squad could. Yeah, um, which is quite a nice segue, actually, to Levi Colwell. Uh, one of the centre-backs who played in the final. Obviously, Prem fans will be uh, very acquainted with him with his successful spell on loan at Brighton last year. Did actually only really start to start games in the second half of the season, though. But then I think as soon as he came into the lineup, kind of showed how classy he was. Uh, apparently, Poch already loves him, his new Chelsea manager, and they won't be selling him as part of a Caicedo deal or anyone else for that matter. So what do you think his ceiling is? Um, do you think he's a potentially future Chelsea captain? Yeah, I think he has the highest ceiling in this squad, in my perspective, or my opinion. Um, and I think he's class. I think he is composed on the ball, great range of passing, very strong and physical, good turn of pace. I think he's got everything that he needs to have to be a world-class centre-half over the next few years. Do I think that Chelsea is the right place for that? I'm saying no, because I would love him at Liverpool. Um, I don't see that happening, though, based on the relationship with Poch, as well as based on the injuries um, to the likes of Fafana. I think he will be top, top class. I think he will be a 50-plus cap England senior player. And it's just a matter of time before he breaks into that England squad. And I would have him down as a starter for the next Euros, never mind in the squad. Nice. Yeah, I think um, I, I agree. I actually think that left-sided centre-back role next to John Stones, wherever he actually may end up for us next year in the Euros, um, is definitely a position he can fill. And yeah, he, he looks class. Um, 
Interestingly, he will have to rotate for minutes with Benoit Badiashile, um, also their other somewhat expensive left back, uh, sorry, left centre back acquisition. So it'd be interesting to see if maybe one of those two, if they are kind of the two standouts. Obviously, you've got Thiago Silva in that back line as well. Um, one of them potentially picks up a bit of minutes in left back that's been a problem area for Chelsea. I don't know if either of them would be particularly skilled out there. Um, obviously, Poch does play kind of a effective back three. He plays a back four, but when the central defensive midfield pivot drops in, it becomes a back three. So potentially you could get both in there. Um, so yeah, it'd be interesting to see how those minutes rotate. And I kind of hope for his sake, really, that he staves off injury because I think that's the only thing really stopping him being a consistent Champions League player at this point. Next up, a little lesser known, um, Harwood Bellis also started the final, of course. Um, do you want to give a bit of a brief on him, John? Yeah, obviously a, a former, well, still a current, actually, isn't he? A current Man City player. Had been on loan to Burnley last season. Had been on loan to Anderlecht. So he played under Vincent Company twice. But another very, very good player. Was really, really impressive in this tournament. Um, and Sean, beside Levi Colwell, what sort of turned it a little bit, obviously, captained England in this tournament, and I have to say it was probably the worst trophy lift I've ever seen. So my opinion of him has went down a little bit from there, but he's a very, very good, sort of older-fashioned, but very capable centre-half. And um, again, I think another one that we could see moving in this transfer window could be an option for a number of Premier League clubs. I think he'll be a, a very, very good Premier League defender, whether he will be a success at a club like Man City, I'm not sure. I think Levi Cobble has a much harsh seating, but he could be a top 10 centre-half in the Premier League for a long time. And uh, and he showed excellent leadership skills as well, which will take him far playing from centre-half. I could see him moving this summer, and I think he could go to somewhere like a West Ham type of status of club. Um, could go back to Burnley on loan or on a permanent deal, but I don't think we'll see him break through at Manchester City. Yeah, it's probably one of the hardest uh, places to break through, isn't it? So definitely, definitely not easy there. However, the one thing I do like that Man City do really kind of insist on is they do buyback clauses with a lot of players. Uh, Lavia's on one. It, it's only in effect next year. They have somebody else out at the minute as well. It's escaping me at the minute, but they have a lot of their players on buybacks. I think just because they appreciate what it means to be kind of trained in their system, in their way of playing. So if he does leave, um, Trafford, literally, we mentioned him only about 10 minutes ago. I'm pretty sure he's got a buyback clause as well. So they are, they still get good fees for players. Um, but yeah, they almost insist on after a couple of years having a much higher buyback clause and money's not really the problem for City. It's whether they will now get to use all of the talents that they want to um, and still have that pull in a post-Guardiola era. So, yeah, he's an interesting one. I could, I think I agree. I think he's probably the case to sell um, and then, yeah, try and get back in two, three years down the road if he's able to prove himself. Weirdly, this one, I'm not necessarily sure we'll get um, a Premier League move, uh, certainly this summer, if his intention is to go out this summer. Just, 
I think young centre-backs, it's quite a hard proving ground. Um, I know we've literally just mentioned Colwell, who was able to make a success of it. But like I say, he didn't start games for Brighton at the very start of the season. And they had such a good form at the start of the year. It was clear they were never going to be anywhere near relegation um, danger. So I couldn't really name you a club that would be perfect for him right now. And actually, yeah, it may be a case of go somewhere on the continent potentially somewhere like Wolf- Wolfsburg if they um, do sell Van der Ven. Yeah, not a bad shirt. I think he's done enough in the English game to get an opportunity in England, but that doesn't mean that going abroad is a bad option. I think we've spoken about you know, Turkish League being on the up as well, so there's more opportunities for different players to break through at different clubs across Europe rather than just looking at you know Spain or Germany. You've got different clubs in France, you've got uh, different clubs in Turkey now as well, Italy, as we've seen with, with Tamori uh, being a success there and Loftus-Cheek making that move this season. So um, there's a long list of clubs that could be relevant for a lot of these players, but I think that for someone like Harvey Dulles, he will have opportunities in the Premier League this year. And um, I personally would like to see him go back to Burnley and play under Vincent Company again, but it's just whether that deal will materialise or not. Yeah, it's given what they spent on Trafford, it might be quite expensive to get that one-two done. I don't, don't know what Burnley's budget's looking like, um, but it would be a good sign of intention to try and stay in the league and build for the next few years. Let's go on to the midfield. Um, obviously, England played a four-four-two in this tournament. Uh, whether it actually always looked like a conventional 4-4-2 is a different matter. However, I'm just going by what BBC Sport said was the uh, lineup information wise. So we'll start again um, on the right hand side with Smith Rowe. Smith Rowe is a very, very interesting one for me. I don't know where his future lies at Arsenal. I just don't really see where he gets in that team especially when they continue to sign players like Havertz. You know, him and Havertz, not stylistically, really, but from a positional perspective, I would say it would be quite similar. And if you're paying 70 million, 60, 70 million for a player, you're probably sending him to start games. I don't know whether Smith Rowe is a winger or a number 10. Um, I don't know what his best position is. I don't know where he fits in the Arsenal team today. I don't see where he's going to break through. So it's a tricky one. If he gets opportunities, I think he's a very good player. Whether he has the potential to be world-class, whether he has potential to be sort of Saka standard or Martinelli standard, I, I'm just not sure. I don't think so. So it's where does his future lie? Could we see him move in the next few years to another Premier League team or to abroad? You know, Could somewhere like Dortmund have been an option uh, this summer? potentially, but I'm not fully convinced his future lies at Arsenal. Yeah, so I've heard a lot of talk about this. Um, I think it all depends if you're Arsenal about what fee you're able to get for him. If you're able to get £40 million, I think you you take that and you run. Um, Chelsea, whilst it's not always worked for them, one thing they have been excellent at is selling products from the academy and getting really good fees for them um, when they weren't quite right for the squad. So Gehi, uh, Tamori, countless kind of names there. Like, if you've got the talent, you can't keep it all. Um, And Arsenal, 
probably being a year ahead of where they expected to be, like being in a title challenge. Um, I think Smith Rowe's kind of been a casualty with that. It didn't help himself that he had poor fitness last year. Yeah. Apparently, Mikel Arteta was practicing him, being in the eight, being in that Xhaka role towards the back end of last year as he's regaining fitness. Um, he looks a little heavy to me. Um, that's one thing I, yeah, I did think. So I think he's got a bit of work to do in terms of fitness, in terms of remodifying his style, because not many players play with kind of a classic number 10 these days. But I actually think there are games for Arsenal for him this year. Admittedly, I think if they go and sign someone else, if they go and sign Kudus, for example, I think that's that's almost game over for him because he's got the advantage-disadvantage of being able to play in multi-positions. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I think he will start the odd game and I envisage a future where he's actually better than Havertz and plays more games for Arsenal. I think he'd be received better by the fans as well, just being a academy product as well. No, I completely agree. I think this this season sort of make or break from his own from his own perspective. It should be if he has ambitions to be an England senior player and to be a top class professional, like it looked like he he would be, you know, a few years ago. But I think injury setbacks and signings that are coming in, obviously Trossard is is another one that came in the door. Um, Gabriel Jesus, Havertz, like I said, so it's it's difficult to see. They tried, if we believe what. We're being told they tried to sign Mount as well, which would have been definitely a direct replacement for, or definitely a direct comp- competitor uh, for Smithrow. I th- see, I think somewhere like Newcastle right now would be absolutely perfect for Smithrow, but I think it is too early for him to make that move. I think he should fight for his position. And if he can put together a string of performances, then you know he could have a big season for Arsenal. The difficulty is I just think there's too many hurdles in place for that to happen at this point in time. And we could see him leave over the next few years, but he should be a top six, top four, top six Premier League player for a long time. I think he has that quality. I think he just needs to put that string of performances together in the Premier League again and be a Premier League regular. I think it's going to be charity for him to break into the Euro squad for next summer for the senior team. But I think the opportunities are there, and I think this Euros were a perfect opportunity for him to get some game time under the belt. And I think he performed very well. Yeah, I agree. I think if anyone needed the tournament just to get some games, it was probably Smith Rowe. In terms of the England uh, debate, senior team debate, obviously it's worth mentioning there are a couple of under-21s who could have played in the tournament, but are just beyond the level now. Um, You're looking at Bellingham, you're looking at Saka. So that does make it harder for these guys. Um, Really, you've got to kind of be the top two or three cream of the crop here to probably make it as a senior England player. Um, But talking as of another guy who probably needed a bit of game time, probably didn't want the season to end with how well he did at it. Um, It's the often maligned Curtis Jones. However, I've always thought there was a player in here. And yeah, I think of late, he's been showing it. Yeah, Yeah, he, he was sensational, the right word. I think he was very close to that type of adjective in regards to his last 10 games or so of the season for Liverpool last year put a lot of doubters to the side and he was outstanding I think in recent years we've talked about Curtis Jones potentially playing a bit safe and not really getting out of third gear when it comes to his performances in the Liverpool senior team 
he was outstanding for many many years during the youth setup and during the junior junior ranks and he absolutely carried his form from the tournament or from the end of the season into this tournament I think from a Liverpool fan's perspective if you watched Curtis Jones you saw a much more confident player you also saw a player who's been learning from players around him I thought during the tournament there was definitely sort of traits of Bobby Firmino style of um, sort of cockiness when it came to passing the ball some types of through balls you would expect to see from Thiago I think he's he's learnt a lot from the players around him in the last season definitely and I thought he was one of the standout players at the tournament this year the difficulty for Curtis Jones is he's coming back into the Liverpool team that have signed two forward thinking midfielders in Sabosley and McAllister and can he kneel down a place in the starting eleven. I don't think he will in the, in the first few months of the season, but I think opportunities will present themselves, and he just needs to be ready to take those opportunities, just like Harvey Elliott in this list as well. Um, and I do think he has a long-term future at Liverpool. I'm just excited to see if that's going to be as a an 8, a 10, or potentially as a left-winger, because I think he has the ability to play in any of those roles. Interesting. I don't necessarily see the winger myself unless um, it's kind of not your traditional beta man winger role. Um, but yeah, like I say, I've I've liked him for a while. I think um, eight probably is going to be his position because I feel like more and more teams are going to play a midfield three with a proper defensive linchpin and almost two eights now. I think Xhaka kind of showed last year that um, you can make classically defending players have much more attacking output. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, from a from a winger perspective, just to go back to that note, he would be quite similar for me in terms of like Luis Diaz and how he would be as a winger in terms of taking on the left, cutting inside, getting a shot or assist off or a pass off. Um, but I, I do, my opinion of Curtis Jones in the last six months has changed quite drastically. And... Uh, like I said in previous episodes, I'm excited to see what he does for Liverpool this season and um, and whether he can reach his potential, which is very, very high. And I think where he is at Liverpool, Jurgen Klopp's the right man to do that. But just is the opportunity going to present itself enough for him to do that in the next 12 to 18 months to get onto the plane for next summer as well? I think this is a player that's sort of been well known that Southgate has looked at him on a number of occasions could be an option for the senior team. I don't think he'll play enough this year. Uh, I think the Europa League will provide a perfect opportunity for Curtis Jones to go and shine and show everyone what he can do. But it's just whether enough he whether he gets enough opportunity in Premier League this year, we'll wait and see. I think it'll be injury dependent. But I'm much more confident as Curtis Jones is our sort of fourth choice midfielder now than I was last year. Nice. Okay. Um, next up, probably one of the more interesting careers so far in obviously their young career. We have Angel Gomez. Um, so yeah, you'd possibly expect us to have had a defensive presence in this midfield in this tournament. Um, this is a guy who does very, very little defensive work from his numbers. Um, they are all bottom 10%, according to his FB ref. Um, so yeah, very attacking player currently at Lille um, and had 36 starts in league and last year and six assists. Um, how do you see his next couple of years going? Um, again, what do you think his ceiling could be? Yeah, I mean, obviously as a United player, I thought he was going to just filter down the leagues. To be honest, I thought he was a bit too slight 
Um, didn't think he would make it to where United fans were talking. He would be able to three, four years ago. But I was, I was really impressed with him in this tournament. I thought he was outstanding and will go down as one of the sort of names that will go below the radar when it comes to how people are talking about the likes of Caldwell and Anthony Gordon and stuff like that. But I, I was really impressed with Gomez and it'll be nice just to see him get more senior games under his belt. But I think this is a player that we will see in the Premier League again over the next few seasons. What level that will be, I'm not sure. If Fulham are still floating about the Premier League, you know, that's the type of club you can see him going to under Marco Silva he has, if he hasn't went to Saudi Arabia by then. But I was really impressed with Gomez. I, I think he performed well above the level that many fans expected him to perform. And um, I'll be interested to see what he does with his future. I mean, where do you think that lies? Yeah, so I, I like what he's done. I, I do love it when um, British players kind of go abroad. Oh, it's a tough, tough to say his level. Um, Lille are a funny team in France in that obviously they've won it in the just over 10 years ago, as in they've won league and sometimes they're in the Champions League, sometimes they're a fair bit lower than that. Um, I would say, certainly short term, his level is possibly best of the rest in Ligue 1. So whether that be a Lille or obviously Nice have a bit of money these days under Sir Jim Ratcliffe. Um, you're potentially looking at Marseille, who have done some good business, um, have just got Ismail Assar over the line. They kind of are pushing to kind of be the second, third best team in France. So I would say Champions League level somewhere like that is probably where he's at. Um, and his his aim long, long term should be to get the big money move back to Manchester United. Um, however, I, I can't see that happening in the next two to three years. Yeah, I would agree. I don't think United will present itself as an opportunity. You're right in terms of trying to navigate his way into Champions League football, whether that is with the French team, whether that is, again, like a with a Dortmund type team where you know they are interested in young English talent and they do need a centre midfielder. Um, type of move but I think it'd be a good move for him just to settle down and leave for another season or two and then look at how he can navigate his way back to the top levels of football yeah I mean Dortmund have, I've, I was saying this for years before Dortmund started doing it but English footballers are the new Brazilians because there's so much money in the Premier League and there's such a pedestal put on having a homegrown player Effectively, if a player does half decent for you, you almost double your money provided you got them for a fairly reasonable price to start with. Um, but yeah, Dortmund have kind of 3X'd Bellingham. They 10X'd Sancho. Um, they seem to be massive. They've got another young guy in their academy at the minute. I forget his name, um, but another kind of young English talent. And I think more of Europe's starting to wake up to the possible potential of Premier League riches coming their way if they can get young English players through the door. Um, and really interesting case, this one, this next guy. I think this is one of the more interesting ones in the squad, both in terms of potential ceiling and um, just where he'll be playing his minutes this year. But Cole Palmer. Yeah, very interesting one. I think he needs to go out and play football. I know people will say that Mares has left, Bernardo Silva could potentially leave, and that could present opportunities like Phil Foden has seen in recent years. But yeah, Cole Palmer for me is one that needs to go and play senior football. And 
somewhere like Burnley would be ideal for him. Um, that type of move, as I had previously discussed, would be great for Palmer in terms of playing attractive football and getting a breakthrough. I think we saw a different side to Palmer during this tournament in terms of his willingness to go sort of beyond and do a bit of the dirty work, which we hadn't seen before. Uh, but I do think there's a, a really good player there. The difficulty for him is that there is such high levels of competition at a team like City. Obviously, we're going to see some opportunities present itself, but is there enough for him to drive his development further? And um, is City the right team to do that? I think Pep Guardiola is always the right manager to do that under, but it's whether the opportunity presents itself. And if I was him, I would definitely be trying to get a loan move this year because there are really good other um, players coming through the youth ranks at Man City in similar positions, likes of Oscar Bob, um, who I think will get senior opportunities at City in the right wing position as well in future seasons. I think he needs to get out alone, but I think that he is a top four player. He just needs to get that string of games together. And you don't want to see what's happened to Max Aaron's type of thing happen to Cole Palmer in terms of development stalling and then moving to a mid to lower level permanent team in the next few seasons. Yeah, so see, I actually disagree. I think the Mahrez opportunity will give him minutes. I don't think there is any particularly outstanding um, talent to go get. Like, I think Musa Diaby, for example, could have been the one that they've brought in. But um, failing him, I don't think there's a gluttony of right wingers who are screaming the door down for Man City um, to go try and get in the league. So, yeah, Curtis Curtis Jones, Cole Palmer, I think, will get minutes this year. He's just got to take them better. Two years ago, he came off the bench. He seemed to get a few goals. Um, Last year, he seemed to not really do anything in his game time and therefore then not get the minutes. But Man City's squad was so stretched last year. I think they basically played most of the season with about 19 um, first-team players. So I think there'll be... A lot of minutes potentially for some of these younger guns, um, and yeah, they've just got to try and try and take them. Um, we'll move on um, to the front two. So we'll start with player of the tournament, Anthony Gordon. I think it's fair to say he didn't light things up when he moved to Newcastle on loan in January, and actually so far hasn't really had a glittering Premier League career. But there definitely seems to be something about him, given his ability at this level of football um what well what do you see for him for the next couple of years and then longer term yeah i mean i think a player that any regular listener will know i'm just simply not a fan of i i just don't like him but as i said a few weeks ago credit where credit's due he was outstanding in this tournament that's the type of performance that newcastle will want to see from him he just seems like a very sort of standard, flashy, young footballer that has let success get to his head and maybe believes that he's a better player than he is. And I don't know whether it was the environment that Lee Carsey had him in, um, whether it was the fact that it was an international youth tournament, but he, he absolutely excelled in this tournament. And it's now up to Eddie Howe to try and figure out how can he bring that type of performance back into Newcastle? Because obviously... Alancy Maximum is, is heading out the door and Harvey Barnes is now in. So Anthony Gordon will want to make that right-sided position of the front three his own this season 
and he'll need to string a number of high-level performances together. He had a, a number of sort of hissy fits towards the end of the last season with being substituted at different games, or you know, I, I don't really know how to explain it, but he needs to up his game from a consistency and a sort of mind frame perspective and a professionalism perspective. A lot of stories that we've seen about him just hasn't impressed me. So it's a massive, massive year for Anthony Gordon to determine how far he will get in the game for me. And it sounds stupid talking about talking like that for a player as young as he is. But I think he's in his short time as a Premier League player, he's done a handful of really good things. And for me, he's made a lot of silly mistakes. So I think it's sort of make or break. And I think that his long-term future is at Newcastle. I think he, he has the ability and the sort of the ceiling to be able to excel at Newcastle. It's just whether his ego will get in the way. Yeah, I think it was an interesting move by Newcastle because of late, I mean, they haven't really seemed to have done much wrong in the transfer market. Um, yeah, certainly pretty much every other big signing that they've brought in under um, the new regime has kind of worked. Anthony Gordon less so. I think, yeah, it's his ceiling's so high, he's worth persisting with. But yeah, I don't know. Um, I, I don't know if he'll necessarily show it this season. Uh, potentially, if he doesn't, there is a case that he goes out on loan the year previous. One thing I was actually thinking the other day is that we don't see enough six-month loan spells, either in the back end of the season because a player didn't get minutes in the first half of the season or what I'd like to see more of the top clubs do obviously Man City have a talent surplus potentially as well and some of their youth teams Chelsea always have is why can't we kind of introduce the six-month loan spell a bit more back into football and if you have a really good first six months come back and play for us when our squad's feeling a bit depleted it almost feels like a January signing in that case yeah, I'd like to see that a bit more. And yeah, Gordon, I think, will be a success in football. I don't know whether he will necessarily be able to do it at Newcastle. Part of the reason I say that is just I feel like they're quite a physical side. And I think he's a physical under-21 player. I don't think he's built himself out yet in that regard um, in senior football. Yeah, I mean, certainly not a player I would expect to see at the next Euros for England. I think the level of competition is too high. I mean, it will depend upon if England want to give senior caps to the successful under-21 squad in the next sort of call-ups to reward them for that. He would obviously be very high on that list. But I just don't see him having that ability to break into that squad yet. But I think he does have the potential to in the future. Yeah, nice. Um, okay, and then final player in the starting lineup, we have Morgan Gibbs White. Yeah, I really read Morgan Gibbs White. I think um, from a midfield perspective, I think Gibbs White and Jacob Ramsey are the two that I would have um, as the real, the two breakout players that I could see making the Euro squad for England next summer. And um, I think Gibbs White, this is a massive season. I think the last six months of last season for Nottingham Forest, he was outstanding. He was showing flair, creativity, um, the ability to get goals and assists. And I think he brought that into this tournament as well. And he looked sort of a level above a lot of players in the team as well, just with his intelligence on the pitch. 
I think it's a massive season for them this year. I think New, uh, Nottingham Forest will be looking to prove themselves as Premier League players and as a Premier League club. If he performs to the level that he's capable, it could be his last season at Forest. I would go as far as saying that. I think he will attract attention from some of the top clubs if he continues to play the way they did in the six months of last season. And like I said, I think he's one that I would have on the plane for next year. Um just because he provides something a little bit different to the rest of the players in the current squad. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Gr- great player. Powerhouse. I, If we're going to line up with a 4-3-3 again uh, in the Euros, Gibbs White actually gets in my three based on his trajectory at the end of last year. I would have Bellingham, Rice and Gibbs White. I just think that is, if you look at what the skill of English football is, it's become more technical, but it's kind of raw pace power um yeah you should stick to what you're good at as a country and i think that is a particularly dominant three in midfield um and then each one of them not only provides kind of a passing lane but also a ball carry threat and it means you kind of don't just have to rely on bellingham to do the dribbling to get you up the field makes you far harder to kind of mark as a team so i think that could be a seriously interesting prospect and i agree i think um See where Forest go. Forest have spent the money and have the intent that could Forest be a villa in the next three years and kind of get themselves into European football themselves. Um, that will be interesting to see. If not, yeah, I think he should be trying to land at a Europa League equivalent club, uh, a the likes of a villa, keep the Midlands connection up, or uh, a Spurs, for example. Okay. Let's go to the five substitutes who made an appearance in the final. Um, we'll start with another man who uh, potentially doesn't have all the uh, the right uh, mental attributes for football, but um, Harvey Elliott. Harsh. I think that's a harsh way to introduce Harvey Elliott. I think uh... he's just come on. If we're gonna, if you're gonna. Uh, degrade Anthony Gordon's character. You oh, can't not do it for Harvey Elliott. He's nowhere near Anthony Gordon level. Nowhere near it. Liverpool fans will absolutely back me on that. He's nowhere near Anthony Gordon level in regards to off the pitch and how he positions himself. I, I, I like Elliott. I think the, the threat for Elliott is not having a kneeled down position. He obviously started his career at Fulham at 16 um, as a right winger, sort of that right side of the front three type player. But I think he's dropped into that number 10 slash number eight role at Liverpool. And he, he just might be a little bit too slight for that role for long-term opportunities. The difficulty with his natural position as a, um, a right-sided player in the front three is obviously there's players at Liverpool like Salah, of course, um, ben Doak as well, which I I think he could be, he could move ahead of him in the pecking order, um, for that position, because I just don't think that Harvey Elliott possesses the natural pace needed to be a top player in that position. So that's why Jurgen Klopp's moving him into that number eight role, to be that creative midfielder in the the midfield three, the way that we saw with with David Silva. Um, I don't think he's that level for you say anything, but I do think he has a big career if he can get this season next season right there is a proper proper player in there it's just whether he gets the opportunities needed or whether he needs to go out on loan he'd be a perfect type of player to go out 
to the La Liga, for example, for 12 months on loan, get a run of games for a, a good team and come back. But I think that I think he, he made the most appearances for Liverpool last season. He will get opportunities. It's just whether enough of those are from the start of the game rather than coming off the bench. Yeah, fair enough. I think, obviously, that midfield has got uh, more crowded, uh, so he's going to see some of his minutes go. thought it was interesting that he clearly kind of got the nod over uh, Carvalho. I, don't get me wrong, I'm not surprised he started more minutes, had more impact. Need to add a bit of goals to his game would be my criticism mm. of Harvey Elliott and be less of a knob. Um, those would be my two criticisms of Harvey Elliott. Um, but... Yes, uh, certainly promising player. I think he can kind of be what he wants to be in football. And I think, um, yeah, Liverpool is a good landing spot for him. We'll move on to possibly the best player in the squad, Oliver Skip. Hmm. The the, difficult, the differences in, in introductions there between those two players are insane. Um, you sort of mentioned, obviously, there was no natural defensive player in the starting eleven for England. I think the fact that Skip didn't kneel down that role in this tournament sort of proves to me that he's not of the level of the other midfielders that we spoke about in regards to potential or performance or where he's at right now. I do think a move will be on the cards in the near future. I think he, he should look to move to a lower Premier League club and become a regular there. But I, I don't think that Oliver Skip will be a, a long-term 50-cap, even 20-cap plus for an England senior team. And um, But I, I do think he's a good player. I think he's, he's would be a perfect player for a lot of the lower Premier League clubs. Um, but I just don't think that will be a player that we'll see in the England senior setup anytime soon. Yeah, I, I don't necessarily disagree. I think it's worth him trying to continue to break through at Spurs for the next couple of years. I don't necessarily think that he'll be an England international just with the competition there or get kind of a lot of caps. Um, cool. Next, we have Noni Madueke, also a um, former Spurs academy player. Yeah, um, it's a difficult one, this one, I think. I think... Uh... He shouldn't. He, he moved back to the Premier League way too soon. I think he should have continued to do what he was doing in the Eredivisie. Um, and I just don't see why he moved to Chelsea at that time. I think the level of competition is so high at Chelsea, with Sterling already being there, with um, with Murdoch coming in as well. There was already barriers to get into that starting eleven. I think. This is a type of player that I think would have been way closer to starting games in this tournament if he had just stayed at PSV for the season. And I think we'll continue to see that progression or regression in terms of England opportunities if he stays at Chelsea. I, I don't think Chelsea was a good move for him at that time. I still don't think it's a good move for him now. And I think we will see another move for him in the next 18 months, whether it's loan or permanent. And I'd be interested to see whether that's internationally. He's proven that he's happy to go abroad to prove himself. And that could be the best option to do that again over the next, like I said, 12 to 18 months. Um, but a really talented player. Very, very impressive for PSV last season. And 
there is a player there that has the opportunity to make senior appearances, um, but it's just about how his career progresses over the next few seasons and whether he makes the right moves, because I think he did the opposite of that six months ago. Yeah, I think this is an incredibly high ceiling, like really good player. It's, I think his particularly impressive season for PSV was uh, two seasons ago, actually. Um, yeah, and like, don't get me wrong, had some output last year, but um, I think uh, got slightly overshadowed by uh, Hakpo. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, great player. Um, injury record is the real big issue here. Um Hopefully he can stay fit. Also, to be honest, also that he's at Chelsea, which is a club that can kind of chew you up and spit you out. I don't think anyone thinks Christian Pulisic is a bad player. Just a mix of injuries and being at that club as a winger uh, with a stacked roster probably didn't help him. Um, two more to go. So uh, Cameron Archer uh, next up. I think this guy will get a lot of game time at Villa next year because they're in the Europa Conference League and they only have Ings and Watkins as other strikers on the book and traditionally play with a two. Well, Ings is, Ings is West Ham. They don't even have Danny Ings. Yeah, so they have uh, Duran that they signed from the MLS, but I think Cameron Archer has a really good opportunity to present himself as the second striker at that villa. And as you mentioned, with the potential of more game time, I think Villa is where he should stay. However, the rise of Cameron Archer in recent years would maybe suggest that he should try to have a full season on loan at a championship club. But I, I do think that playing in the Aston Villa environment this year would be beneficial to him. His rise has been incredible. I mean, in 2020-2021, he went to Solly Hill Moors on loan, played 26 games, four goals. He made the move to Preston the year after, 20 games, seven goals. And then he was obviously stood out for Middlesbrough in the second half of last season. 11 goals in 20 games. Um, I think there is arguments for a loan move, but there's also arguments for sticking about and getting game time for Villa this year. You just don't really know which one's the right answer. Um, I, both could I be do. beneficial. I think because it's the Conference League, I think because... Um... Yeah, because that's a somewhat lower level because he, uh, they've signed someone like Tielemans who might not actually necessarily start games himself. So therefore, you've got quite a experienced Premier League um, player in there as well who's kind of a, a brilliant creative outlet as well. Certainly, if you look at Villa, um, Buendia, Diaby now, you've got lots of brilliant attacking talent around him to create chances for him. I think... Go get some games in the Europa League, in the Europa Conference League, and then try and do what Kane did that year, where he really broke out. It was getting games there, and then suddenly you get the odd Premier League game. If you can get the odd Premier League goal, um, that can then become the forty million pound striker that Villa then don't have to go sign. Yeah, yeah, agreed. I think I think the best route for him would be look at this season and, and split it in two. Look at his two six months stints. First six months, stay with Villa, play Europa Conference League, get a few League Cup games, FA Cup games, and see if you can break into the Premier League squad and be one of the first sort of subs that they would look to bring on regularly. If he can't do that, or if, or if for whatever reason, you know, 
they get put out of every single cup in the first half of the season, then you're looking at a loan move in the second half of the season to a championship club, maybe pushing for the playoffs or pushing for promotion. I think that would probably be the best route for Cameron Archer this year before he can really evaluate whether his long-term future is at Aston Villa. But I think he owes it to himself to go and get some game time there and see whether he can become that rotation or backup option to uh, Ollie Watkins, who you never know has been tipped to exits in the last 12 months. And if he has another big season as well, Cameron Archer could be his draft replacement. Nice. Um, and then final um, sub in the final was Tommy Doyle. Yeah, I mean, even his name's not overly exciting, but a re- like a really good player, played a significant role for Sheffield United last season. Um, obviously another one on the Man City books, but another one that I would like to see going back to Sheffield United this year to see what he can do at senior level in the Premier League and whether, again, whether that's on loan or whether it's permanent, I think he would just be a very, very good acquisition for Sheffield United um, and someone who they already know well at the club. So do I think he will be a Man City player? Again, no, I don't. But I think he could be a very, very solid mid to lower league Premier League player in the long term. And um, I think... He absolutely owes it, owes, it, owes it to himself to go and have a full season at Sheffield United and play regular first-team football. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I would actually be trying to get back um, a move to Sheffield United. Um, obviously, they potentially have uh, an opportunity to be whipping boys, but it can, it can harden a player and um, get them kind of ready for a longer-term future. Um, so yeah, I would definitely be looking at a Prem loan move if that is possible. And Sheffield United kind of makes sense given um, his uh, loan spell there last year. Okay, one of the other things we wanted to mention, I know there are other players in there. John, you've spoke before about Jacob Ramsey, kind of his ceiling as well. Um, so it's not like we've just talked about the talent, but that was everybody who played the final um, but one thing we did want to mention, so the last time the Euros under-21s got to a final was European Championship final, was 2009. Um, I'm just going to uh, give you some of the names here because it can show you kind of what happens to players as they get older. There's kind of uh, various different reasons it didn't necessarily work out for these guys, but Scott Loach, Martin Craney, Mike Mika Richards... Needham Onua, Kieran Gibbs, Fabrice Muamba, Lee Catamol, Mark Noble, James Milner, Adam Johnson, uh, Theo Walcott. Uh, yeah, that was the starting lineup. So, who do you think from the current team has the opportunity to kind of go on and have a better career than any one of the previous uh, final entrants? And who do you see kind of going the way of a uh, Mika Richards or an Adam Johnson? Um, personally, harsh personally, to say anyone goes the way of an Adam Johnson. For, yeah, I was going to say, I wouldn't class Mika Richards in, in the same uh, bracket. And um, I think that would be very harsh. I think, obviously, if you look at that squad... And you look at the even the subs in the final were Jack Rodwell, Michael Mancian, Craig Gardner. 
again, a lot of solid professionals in there with really solid careers. I would say that James Milner probably reached the highest level out of that squad in terms of what he won, what he did in terms of Premier League appearances. Do, you ever, do I think that any of these players were ever world-class? No. I think that Milner was a world-class option to have, but I don't think he was ever world-class. And I think that England have a few players in that squad that have that potential. I think Levi Colwell is one who will be deemed world-class within the next five years as a centre-half in world football. I think that I personally still, I, I really believe Jacob Ramsey could be in that bracket of one of the best midfielders in the Premier League. I think he will see a massive move for him in the next two, three years. Um, and then the other one that has that ability if he can manoeuvre the right moves for himself, would be Morgan Gibbs-White as well. I think this squad that won the Euros is a much better squad than what they had there. Um, I think that we'll see loads of players having really successful Premier League careers. Do I see some of these dropping away? Um, I wouldn't say many. I think from this squad, the only ones that I don't think will make a long line of Premier League appearances in the future. Maybe it would be the two reserve goalkeepers. It would be Charlie Cresswell, Ben Johnson I could see in the championship in, in the future, and, and Luke Thomas as well, even though I do like him. Um, I think the midfield has a way higher ceiling than, than what we saw with the 2009 squad. And um, I think just we'll see way more senior caps from this squad than we did with the 2009 one. Yeah, I think the one thing that kind of stands out is just the technical proficiency. Um, 2009, in a weird way, uh, was kind of a key reset moment for English football. I think uh, the St. George's development came not that long after. Um, yeah, it kind of became obvious that we would need to, um, yeah, basically get a better technical level of footballer if we were going to ever go win something. We couldn't kind of just win it with good energy and good vibes from the boys. So, yeah, it's it's clear that we have been able to produce a better standard of footballer, um, a better technical proficiency. So, yeah, I, I agree. I think the ceiling for this squad is much higher. It goes far beyond just kind of winning one more game. I think the performance of the two teams in their various finals uh, kind of shows that. I think we got kind of dominated by an Ozil-led Germany if I remember correctly, back in 2009. Um, whereas, yeah, this team obviously uh, did just about manage to grind up that result. Okay, um, that makes the end of the podcast. Um, just over an hour long there, John. Um, anything left to say on the thoughts for English football as a whole? Um, I'm sure you'll be delighted to see it uh, from your viewpoint in Ireland. Yeah, no, I've no, nothing else to add. I've been far too complimentary in this podcast and uh, the only thing I hope is that Republic of Ireland could maybe come in and swoop Lee Cardsley that would be a nice touch because we haven't spoke about him um, be nice to see us get him because he played unbelievable brand of football in this tournament but uh, no I think there's a lot of exciting players there unfortunately and um, I can't wait to see how Southgate can bring them into the squad and, and wreck any potential that they have Definitely. And I mean, that potentially is also an option for the Irish boys. Um, 
I don't know if he has Irish descent, but the name Tommy Doyle, for example, suggests that he may well do. Um, is there any player that you think is a realistic grab for the Sweet Emerald Isle? I would need to go and check birth certificates um, and passports of their family. But, yeah, I mean, it's it's normally the other way around. We normally create them and then you come and steal them, like Declan Rice and Jack Grealish. So it uh, it's more you might want to have a look at our squad and see what you can do. Pass on this occasion, I think. Um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, John, always a pleasure. Um, thank you, everyone, for listening. Thanks, Rob. Ciao too. Cheers. Bye.